Well, you know, the theme for VBS uh, this year was Operation Arctic. And when you think about the Arctic, we think about the, the North Pole. And kids, did you know that there's actually a star in the sky that is named after uh, the, the North Pole? It's called Polaris, okay? And what's cool about the star Polaris, and maybe tonight when the stars come out, you can go with your parents and they can help you find the North Star Polaris in the sky. It's a Polaris, it's also called the North Star. And what is really important and cool about uh, Polaris, what makes it different from all the other stars, see, if you were to stay up all night, okay, and we're not going to let you do that, but if you were to stay and look at the, the stars, you would notice that the stars are going to move all night long in a big circle. And they do that because the Earth is spinning. But Polaris it's right above the North Pole, and so it doesn't move in that circle. It's right at the center of that circle. So what makes that important is that all the other stars are moving, but this one, it's, it's fixed. It stays in place, and it doesn't change. And so for, for centuries and centuries, this means that sailors and other people, they could look to this star that didn't move, it didn't change, and they could find their way by looking to this star, Polaris. Now think about it. Isn't the Bible really like that? That the Bible, it does not change. There might be all kinds of other things that are always changing, but the Bible remains the same. It's a fixed point. And if we look to it, we can find our way and not be lost. So Polaris, look for that tonight. VBS this week, the kids, have you heard, they've been all learning about the Bible, that the Bible is, is important and that the Bible is true. But let me ask you this question. Why, what's the big deal about the Bible being true? Why is that important? Why does that matter? And I think some people might have different reasons for that. Let me give you, let me give you three. Um, one, some people might say, well, the Bible contains lots of facts, Lots of different facts that we couldn't know otherwise, and they're important. Some are, some are really interesting, and some are really, really important. And that's true. I mean, the Bible is a book that has lots of facts. It teaches us about, it teaches us about history. It teaches us about creation, about lots of different things. So that's true, and it's important. But I would say that's not even the, the main thing that is really important about the Bible being true. There's something even more than that. Some people might think, well, the Bible, it's important that it's true because it teaches us how to live. What's the right way to live our lives? And that's really important too because lots of people are real confused about that. They don't know, is there really right and wrong? And does that all change? But if you look to the Bible, you can know what actually pleases God, the one who made us, the one that's designed us to live in this world and he knows how it's going to work the best and to have our lives uh, go according to his plan and how to please him and not sin against him. What is right? What is wrong? And so that is true, and that is very important. But I want to say, I think there's something even, even more important than those things that is important because the Bible is true. And to tell you about that, I want to tell you a story I heard. This is a true story. I was kind of amazed by this. But in West Point, and I don't know how many of you kids know what West Point is, but it's uh, military training academy for officers in our, in our military. And it's this very important, very prestigious uh, school where they go to be trained. And in West Point, there is a graveyard there. And in the graveyard, and there's not a lot of room, so there's, there's generals that are buried there, uh, heroes from the Revolutionary War. And in this graveyard, there's also a grave 
of two little old ladies that are buried there in the, in the military cemetery at West Point. And these two uh, ladies, they lived across uh, the Hudson River from where West Point is in New York. And because uh, West Point, it's, it's on the, the Hudson River. There's a point that comes out. By the way, do you know which side of the Hudson River West Point is on? It, it's on the west side. That makes sense, doesn't it? And these ladies lived there. They never married. And they were, they were very um, devout Christian ladies. And they felt that it was their calling in life that what God wanted them to do is to teach Sunday school to these young men that were there being trained to be officers for the military. And so every Sunday, these two ladies, they would row across the Hudson River and they would teach Sunday school to these 18 to 22-year-old boys, young adults that were being trained uh, as to be officers and commanders in the the military. And they did this for years and years. And they were so loved by uh, the the people that were there that even in the winter when the Hudson would freeze over, uh, the, the soldiers, they would go across and they would escort these ladies across the frozen river uh, to teach them Sunday school. And these ladies also, here's what's just the huge, this is so awesome. They knew that many of these uh, men, they would be heading out to war one day. And they wanted them to have something that would really help them remember just the core basics of what they had been taught. And so they wrote a song. They wrote a song and they taught it to these guys. And it's a song that probably... I'm almost sure that you've heard this before and that you know this. It goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. Finish it with me. For the Bible tells me so. That song, Jesus Loves Me, yeah, was written by these two uh, little ladies that spent their life teaching Sunday school uh, to these, these officers in training at West Point. And when these two uh, ladies died in old age, they gave them a military uh, funeral and they buried them there in the cemetery at West Point. And I wanted to confirm this and I went online and looked it up and found a list of the people that are buried at the West Point Cemetery. It's not a big list. And in that list, you can find the names of these two ladies, Anna and Susan Warner, who wrote the song, Jesus Loves Me. But I was thinking about that because remember I was asking why is it so important that we know the Bible is true? Yes, it has lots of important facts. Yes, it teaches us how to live. But I want to tell you that I think the most important thing about the Bible is that it tells us about the love of Jesus. Jesus loves me. This I know. Think of that. That, that Jesus loves you. To, to actually be able to know that. And I think the song is right. How do we know that? For, which means because, because the Bible, the Bible tells us that. Otherwise, we'd just be guessing. But we can know that with certainty because the Bible tells us that this is true. So let's look at one place in the Bible where it talks about this. We've been going through the book of Luke for our Sunday mornings. And... There is a great passage that we happen to be on today. This is in Luke chapter 9, uh, 18 through 22. And I want to encourage you that uh, be coming back next week, in the week after that, as we keep looking at what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. 
You can even go online and look up old messages and download them and listen to them to learn more about Jesus Christ and the love that's, that he has for us. But let me read this to you. We'll talk about it for just a few minutes here. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, to be raised. So the first thing we notice from here is it talks about this question. There's, uh, the first question that Jesus has is, who do the crowds say that I am? Jesus has been going around doing miracles and teaching. Uh, well, in the book of Luke, for, for nine chapters now, and he's saying, if the people, they, have they figured out who I am? Who do they think that I am? And the disciples said, well, there's a few different answers. Some people think, well, they think you're John the Baptist. He's your, he's your cousin, and maybe they have you confused a little bit. Some said, well, he's, uh, some people think you're Elijah because there's a prophecy in Scripture in the book of Malachi 4-5 that uh, God would send Elijah before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And other people thought, wow, Jesus, he's doing all these miracles. He's this great prophet of God. Maybe he's one of the prophets come back from the Old Testament times. Here's the thing. People can have wrong views about Jesus. That's the truth. People can have wrong views about Jesus. And they can't all be right uh, because they, they conflict with each other. And in fact, sadly, we might say that even most people might have the wrong view of who Jesus is. And I think that's true today. There's lots of people that have the wrong view of who Jesus is. Uh, those that are of the, the Muslim religion, Islam, they view Jesus as a prophet, but they don't view him as the Lord God, and they don't even view him as a prophet greater than Muhammad. They have a wrong view of who Jesus is. There's some people that they think Jesus is just a myth. He's just a legend. He's just like a story that maybe parents tell their kids when they're little, and they grow up and find out that's not really true. And so they have a wrong view of who Jesus is. There's some people they think, well, Jesus, he's just a great teacher. He tells us a lot of nice little morals, how to live life. He's not really the Lord God or anything, but he's just a good human teacher. But as C.S. Lewis once pointed out, if somebody is a good human teacher and they're not God, you don't go around saying the things that Jesus did, much less doing the things that he did, claiming to forgive sin, saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you go around saying that and you are not God, that makes you either a liar or just a lunatic. But instead, we know the truth is that he is, he is the Lord. He is who he claims to be. And there's all kinds of other views that people have. Some people view Jesus almost as this super nice buddy, kind of some kind of cosmic hippie or something. That just He's all about just love, wants everyone to get along. He'd never want to you know, mess up your life. Uh, just easy going, and they have a weird view. Some people view Jesus as some kind of magic genie to give you whatever your heart desires. If you want money, if you want a new car, that's what Jesus is there for, and that's wrong. 
And let's face it, to a lot of people, it's almost like Jesus is just what they see in a mirror. That they think they're so great, and so Jesus must be just like them. But instead, we need to be looking at what the Bible actually teaches us about Jesus, or else we're going to have the wrong view too. So Jesus asked them, who did the crowds say that I am? And they, the crowds might be wrong. They often are. So you can't always just go by what the crowds say. But then Jesus asked another question. And he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I am? Listen to this, what you think about Jesus who you think that Jesus is, who you think He really is, this is the most important thing. I mean, there's really no question that is more important about that than what you actually think Jesus is. Not what your parents think, not what you think uh, your church thinks, but what you in your heart really believe about Jesus Christ. And Peter gives his answer that he had come to believe here. And says, Peter answered, and he was one of the apostles, Now think about what Peter's answer was based on. I think it was based on a few things. He had been with Jesus for some time. He had observed Jesus' actions. He had seen all kinds of miracles that Jesus had done. I went back and I looked in the book of Luke, just up to chapter 9, where we are right now, and just a list of things that we can know from the Bible about what Jesus has done, just in the book of Luke so far. His birth was prophesied and announced by angels. Okay, he was born to a woman that was still a virgin. Jesus cast a demon out of a man. Jesus healed, in chapter 4, Peter's own mother-in-law when she was deathly ill. So this wasn't just someone else. Peter knew this of his own mother-in-law when she was uh, very, very sick. In fact, on several occasions, it says Jesus healed lots of people, multitudes. And he cast out demons on many occasions. Jesus healed a man with leprosy, a man who was paralyzed, Several times, Jesus knew people's thoughts. He could read their minds. Jesus healed a a man with a withered hand. He healed a centurion's servant from a distance. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, maybe some of these are coming back to you. Just think of all of these things. Jesus raised a widow's dead son back to life. There was a raging storm on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus commanded it to stop, and it suddenly stopped. Jesus drove at least 2,000 demons out of a man into a herd of pigs. There was a woman who had uncontrollable bleeding for 12 years, and Jesus healed her instantly. There was a synagogue ruler with a daughter, his only daughter, and she had died, and Jesus brought her back to life. Jesus even gave power and authority to his apostles so they could heal and cure diseases. And last week we saw that Jesus fed at least 5,000 people, probably thousands more, with just five loaves of bread and two fish. This miraculous feeding. So you have all of these things that Peter's looking at saying, hmm, who are you? And there's Jesus' claims. Jesus claimed that the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah were about him. He claimed to have the authority to forgive sins, and only God can do that. He claimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath, and he taught with authority. But even more, Peter, he was looking at Jesus' actions, the miracles, Jesus' claims. But even something more that was happening, I think God was witnessing to, to Peter in Peter's heart through the Holy Spirit that Jesus really was the Son of God. Because in Matthew sixteen seventeen it says, And Jesus answered him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, that's Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so Peter answered correctly. He said, you are the Christ of God. You are the, the Messiah. Uh, you are the Son of God. You are the one that's been promised from the, from the beginning that would come that would save us. You're the one that, uh, that has come so that, to save us and that we can, we can worship. You're the one that is going to be king forever. You know, when it says he's the Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. That's a word that means Messiah. He is the, the anointed one, the promised Savior. So yeah, people, they can have the wrong view of who Jesus is, and most might have the wrong view. But who do you believe Jesus is? So instead of just going along with the crowd, okay, we each should look to what the Bible says. We should believe what Jesus we should say that Jesus is who he revealed himself to be to us in the Bible. Otherwise, we could be wrong too. And let me say, if you believe that, if you really believe that, yeah, this should make a huge difference in your life. But who Jesus is, that's part of the truth, but that's not the whole truth. There's more to this. There's also, what did Jesus come to do? And he talks about that at the last part of this verse. And he says, and he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell no one, at least right now, because he said that he has a mission to accomplish. And he said, the Son of Man, that's a title for himself as Messiah, he must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. He must be killed. He would die on the cross for us. But that wouldn't be the end. He'd also be raised again to life on the third day. So Jesus is saying, that's, you know who I am, and now I'm telling you what also I came to do. The other half we need to understand is that he is the Christ who came to be rejected and die on the cross. This was his mission. And he did that so you could be saved if you will come to him in faith. He did this so that you can know what God is like. That you can know the love of Jesus. That you can know how to be saved. That you can know Him. That you can treasure Him. That you can know the Bible loves you. This you can know because the Bible tells you so. We heard in one of the songs, Romans 5.8. Think of what that says. God showed His love. He demonstrated His love to us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ came and He did this while we were still sinners. And this is the problem. We are sinners, and because of that, we don't deserve to be with God. But He came to do this because it was the only way that we could be saved by what He did if we put our trust in Him. Jesus came to die and to rise from the dead for you. And it's the only way a sinner like us could be saved. Think about this. If you go outside and there's like a muddy dirt path, okay, you can't go out and just clean up this dirt path. You can't get a broom and just make it, uh, make it clean. You can't start mopping it if it's just a dirt path out there because the dirt, the mud goes all the way down. But let's say winter comes along and there's a huge snowfall and this blanket of snow comes over it and just covers the mud like, like it was never even there and you never even see it. And that's what God's grace to us is like. That's what His salvation is like. We can never clean up the filth in our life, our sin. 
no matter how much we try, that's not the way to get rid of it because it goes all the way down. But the righteousness of Christ that He gives us, that He offers to you as a gift, is like a thick blanket of snow that in God's eyes covers your sin like it never happened. That is the good news of the Gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is the forgiveness that is offered to you. If today even you will trust Jesus, turning to Him from your sin and trusting Him as the one to save you by His grace through faith. Yes, the Bible is true. And, it is, and the most important thing about it being true is that it tells you about the love of God in Jesus Christ so that you can be saved and so that you can glorify Him forever. Let's pray. Lord God, we give You praise and thanks. And we thank You for Scripture because it is Your love letter to us. And it tells us so many important things what is true, how to live, and most importantly, it tells us about Jesus Christ, who He is, that He is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord God that came to save us, God in human flesh, who died willingly on the cross. For anyone here that's willing to put their trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior, and that You rose again and that You are King forever. I thank You for everyone here that has believed Your Word and has trusted in You and has been saved by Your grace that has had their sins covered like a blanket of snow because of your righteousness. Something that we could never do on our own. We could never clean up our own sin. And God, I pray that anyone that is here, whether they are young, whether they are a parent, whether they are older, that they would right now, if you are speaking to their heart, they would pray to you and say, Lord God, I realize that I am a sinner. Lord God, I realize this is not good. I do not want to stand before you to be condemned because of my sin. Lord God, I admit I cannot clean up my sin because it is like a dirt path that goes all the way down in mud. And so I accept what Jesus did for me. I accept what your word says, that you demonstrated your love for me, that while I was still a sinner, you died for me. I pray that people here, everyone, would believe this, trust you, and be saved for their salvation and your glory. Thank you for a great week of VBS. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.